Hello, Greyhound. This is Trap One. Do you read me? Over. Listening to the Trap One podcast. Uh, my name is Mark McManus. I'm delighted to welcome back to the podcast this week my first ever co-host, Mr. John Featonby from the Highlanders. Good evening, sir. Hello. Do you want me to make the Highlanders noise? Uh, if, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, from the yeah. Highlanders. It's I. It's, it's, <laughs> it's light racism, so we sort of get. Also, yeah. <laughs> we podcast from the Highlands, so you know it's our culture. We're we're, we're allowed to go I. Great. So you normally do your podcast with Lawrence. Uh, just my friend, a... my, yeah, my good podcasting pal Lawrence. I'm sort of seeing you behind his back. He yeah. doesn't know. So, you know, if you could keep it from him, that would be for the best. <laughs> no problem. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sure uh, not many people listen. We'll, we'll keep it a secret. Lol doesn't listen to podcasts. This is this is the problem with the Highlanders podcast, which has been going for longer now than I like to admit. Um, I think we started when Asylum of the Daleks came out, so that would be I don't know. All the years are broadly the same, two thousand and something. We seem to be going for years and years without ever really gaining any traction at all in podcast land and to be honest we're sort of quite happy with it but we we did we had a little um sort of moment of introspection where we thought why, why does nobody listen to us and we sort of realized that you know sort of rather crucially that there's much too much doctor who in our podcast for anyone we know who doesn't like doctor who but there's nowhere near enough doctor who in it for like proper Doctor Who people, so it's like you know, <laughs> once you've once you've ruined out ruled out the half of the population that likes Doctor Who and the half that doesn't like Doctor Who, there's nobody left. You know, it's like <laughs> arguably it's like me and Lawrence. You know, we're doing a podcast for ourselves, but Lawrence doesn't listen to podcasts, and I'm bored of it by the time I've edited it and put it up. So you know, basically, <laughs> basically any listenership is good. So it, it does. Um, it's it's quite nice not really having many people listen to you. So sort of gives you the liberty just to say rubbish you know that's unaccountability that's what we live for <laughs> uh well if, if any listeners uh, to this podcast don't listen to the highlands i would highly recommend it um you just don't listen no 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 <laughs> it's, it's not for you go and listen to some of the good podcasts but th- thank you mark your support has always been appreciated no problem i think we actually um it's in the silent Daleks. i think that was i started my blog at the same time um as it was like on a sound of the Daleks, we both kind of started uh, at the same place there. Oh was, man, uh, those were the days. Eh? Do you remember yeah. that Matt Smith? How many doctors ago was that? <laughs> it went back when it was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always been good. There might have been a couple of minutes in the mid 80s where the very goodness dipped to merely quite goodness, but you know, I think Doctor Who's always been a bit spiffing. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm not, I'm not one of those. Uh, you know, sort of uh, the uh, was it Whiz Kid in um, the Great Show in the Galaxy? I'm, I know it's not as good as it used to be, but I'm still terribly interested. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's a it's a terrible indictment of where we are. This, you see, this is oh, Mark. This is Brexit Britain, isn't it? This 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 is the deep psychological, spiritual malaise that affects everybody these days. They just not they seem to be largely incapable of just enjoying the thing that is in front of us. You know, there's always this sort of wistful pining for an imagined past and this this sort of um, greed for a non-existent future. And whilst you know, whilst all that's going on. The, the the living present. What would Qui Gon Jinn say? What would Qui Gon Jinn and to a lesser extent uh, Eckhart Tolle say about it? We're, we're just missing. We're missing the present moment just by worrying about the past and the future. That's a, that's that's my that's my wisdom that I'm imparting to you for free. Absolutely excellent. Uh, so yeah, something else to to listen. Well, I know you don't want recommendations, but the uh, the topical chat on on the Highlands is always uh, is always pretty good as well. That's uh... <laughs> Are, are you mad, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> but, but thank you. But you know, I, I feel I'm being ungracious. Thank you very much for liking our unloved bastard child of a podcast. <laughs> it really has no function other than to keep me and Lawrence off the streets for about two hours on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. So, in in terms of Doctor Who, not yes. to discuss at the moment, really, is there? It's been a bit of a bit of a quiet. Well, yeah, it's not. On the air, so yeah, Ooh, everything's gone a bit quiet. Yeah, as you say. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a struggle. This one, actually. Um, yeah, there was something just... earlier, wasn't there? I think. Um, oh, wait yeah. a minute! Is this something? It was. Uh, I think I heard in a broad church podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure such things exist, but clearly they do because everything exists on the internet. How what's Broadchurch fandom like, Mark? Are there Broadchurch podcasts? I don't... know. I want to know. We're wasting time talking to you. Yeah, there was um, there's an announcement, isn't there? Peter Capaldi, who's let, let's 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 play horrible games and rank Peter Capaldi in our favourite Doctor. Who's your favourite Doctor? Come on, Mark, you can tell me. Nobody will hear it. Tom Baker is my is my favourite. I see. And how far down the list do we have to go before we get to Peter Capaldi? Oh, not far. He's my favourite oh. of the 21st century Doctors. Oh, so you you practice this sort of. Um, <laughs> Sort of apartheid thing. It's like, do, do, do you regard olden days Doctor Who as slightly more proper than new Doctor Who? Slightly, but it's something that's broken down over time. I think that I increasingly thinking it less in those terms. I think now that it's been back for twelve years, it's it, it seems less as of a newfangled spin-off, doesn't it? I think, and they've included more elements of the old series. Uh, yeah. It, it, I don't know. It's, I, it's still a very complex process for me, um, and I, I sort of sometimes wish I was a bit more into Star Trek because they, they've sort of been through this as well. Uh, the Star Trek people. So I, I grew up on the uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy thing, and then it wasn't there for ages. And then they did some films, and they were quite good. Um, and then they just did the, like a whole new series with all new people. Now, I never really got into that because I was a grown-up when it happened. Um, but to a lot of people, Star Trek The Next Generation is proper Star Trek. Uh, and they, they don't sort of regard the early stuff as significant at all. Um, so that that's that's kind of how they've negotiated it. You know, it's like the next generation is the um, the bedrock. And then there's this mm. <laughs> sort of hulking, politically incorrect ancestor that I, I think is gr grudgingly acknowledged. And then all the subsequent series, which seem to be, to be largely people standing on gantries, arguing with each other. <laughs> um, 
So I, I don't know. The Star Trek people have, have gone through it. Doctor Who people, I think we're still, you know, because there was... It, it was so beautiful that the, the new version, the 2005 version, was done by fans. You know, so stretch players, autons in the first episode. You know, we've got up to up to and including Alpha Centauri turning up yeah. this series. You know, I'm I'm just the Who-mobile away from my my checklist. You know, of things <laughs> I want to see in the new series. But to me, I still regard it as a, a new series and an old series. And mm. pretty much for me, everything up to probably. Definitely survival. That canon. Everything after that, ooh, bit debatable, you know. Right. I'd I'd say it's all for me. It's all canon. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure. With Star Trek wise, I I'm of the generation that came in with the next generation. Yeah. Um, I watched that pretty avidly. Tailed off mm. towards the end because Babylon Five came along, and I preferred that. I, that was much. It was much better, though, wasn't it? It was because well, it had a story it, yeah. arc. That was what Star Trek always lacked, wasn't it? it? Was it was always wrapped up by the end of the episode, yep. no matter what happened. Um, the yeah. um, what's the Irish guy? I've, I've never revisited Col- it. Colm Meany, I believe we're talking about here. Yeah, transporter Chief O'Brien. See, my Star Trek <laughs> knowledge is much more than functional. It, it, it actually exists. I, I, uh, an episode that sticks in my mind was one where he was trapped in a prison in his mind for 20, 30 years, something like that, but it all took place in a few minutes. Ah. Uh. Um, and he got back to the Enterprise and they said, oh, it's going to take a long time for you to get over this, but you will get over it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next week, it was as if it never happened. Was, was he fine? Yeah, yeah it, it, it's a funny old thing. I'm sorry, I'm aware this was possibly trying the patience of your listeners who may, <laughs> may not be quite so used to these um, round-the-block discursive uh, discussions that, that Lawrence and I get into. Uh, but I, 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 before I, I you know, totally leave Star Trek, I want to get this off my chest because it, this is a thing that annoys me immensely is when people and when I say people I mean people who don't really you know sort of get into um, science fiction and fandoms and things like that when they find out I like Doctor Who and they go oh you must like Star Trek as well and I have to go oh for goodness sake because to, to, to me I mean I do I so do but you know Doctor Who and Star Trek are they're so different they're so radically different um, in, in in sort of intention and and um, form and execution that I, I don't understand why why people equate them you know because star trek to me with the best will in the world looks very very regimented you yeah. know it's, it's, it looks like it appeals to people who like echelons and hierarchies and uniforms and institutions and directives and things like that whereas doctor who's always to me been a, a sort of absolutely just freewheeling lunatic dress how you like do what you like polymorphous gender fluid um j- just piece of nonsense it's, you know it's for eccentrics it's for a whimsicality it's for people that relish change rather than the status quo um but i wonder if i'm wrong a little bit there no i'd, I'd agree with that i often equate american stuff with that that kind of thing because Babylon Five is very similar in that sense. Uh, stuff like Stargate, it's the military, isn't it? There's um, they tend to follow that kind of pattern, I suppose. Yeah, I, I couldn't really fathom Stargate. I mean, I, I haven't really given it enough of a try. I saw the film. Um, there's this thing; it's a, a science fiction thing that happens. I think it's called Larry Niven syndrome. After a uh, 
science fiction writer who wrote the Ringworld books and he's like slightly right wing, but quite an, quite an entertaining writer. But he does what kind of Michael Crichton does in mainstream fiction, which is he sets up this amazing thing. You know, he'll have the idea, set out the idea in cha- the first couple of chapters. So Larry Niven will have his big Ringworld thing, which is all the matter in a, a star system has been hammered into a giant hoop. Um, that, that you know sort of rings the star and people live on the inside wall of the hoop um and so you go well that's just amazing well, i don't know why anyone would do that but it's interesting so what's the story and the story is people go to this ring world they have a little look around it and then they come back and this is like you know sort of michael Crichton's stories like you know from west world of jurassic park all these other ones you know sphere and things like that you have a brilliant idea things go wrong everyone runs around screaming the end yeah yeah that that's kind of good but it's not really a story um and i I have this sort of similar problem with american not just american you know with with any kind of genre telly or anything that repeats episodically is that there's pretty much a burden to end an episode at the same place that you started it Mm. so you know you it looks like you've gone through something but basically you haven't so that the next writer can do the next episode you know and you never really get anywhere and that's that's not what happens in doctor who definitely not now no and even in the past the um i think because you had multi-episode stories and the cast was continually changing it, it never felt like that either did it you know there's uh the majority of the cast in a doctor who story could be killed so there was always that uh, a bit more peril than you'd get in uh in a star trek or something i suppose although they killed yeah. that uh, no. they could kill that woman off didn't they i can't remember any of the names really bad oh yes the no i can uh, uh she uh, denise crosby tasha yar fell in the tar pit or something yes all sticky black goo all over her it was terrible yeah um that, that's yes. the, i remember that was the only lasting thing that ever befell them um, but then didn't she come back or was it her sister or her cousin or something i don't know i don't really know what i'm talking about maybe she didn't anyway (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry, mark sorry went off went off the track a little bit there what 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 are are we talking about again uh well i was watching the tennis earlier um Oh, Doctor Who fans, we love our sport, don't we? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see. Um, I didn't see any of the actual game of tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Who won? Was it? Was it that tall man that's very good at it? He's good. I yes. hope he won. Yeah, he did. And Excellent. I good. watched him get a trophy and post some photos with his trophy, and then walk along and shake a lot of people's hands. Good. <laughs> Uh, very gentle, very gentlemanly game, isn't it? Yeah, played by two robots. They still look like <laughs> gaunt uh, out of uh, the day the Earth to still. It's just uh, like nine foot tall men who stand at either end of a piece of grass and just shoot balls <laughs> at each other at nine hundred miles an hour for about an hour and a half, and then one of them's won apparently. So well done to him. Yeah, it's it, it, when you watch a sport and you don't know the rules, it's even less interesting, isn't it? So. <laughs> Tennis is one of those ones, like golf, that I just wouldn't even watch. It's just, yeah. it's, life's too short, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you want to... <laughs> yeah, well, sorry, display my own ignorance there. Uh, anyway, did something while you were watching the tennis? There, yeah, the, um, it, a similar thing happened when uh, I was watching the halftime analysis of a football game. Um <laughs> <laughs> did it have that man who looks vaguely like a time-traveling musketeer who one time did the program in his pants? Was he there? 
<laughs> he wasn't this time. Um, All right, okay. But yeah, funnily enough, it's the only time I ever watch sport, and uh, and they, they they go from the studio to uh, a, a clip, uh, uh, and there was a, a hooded figure, and I thought figure. I thought it was Robin Hood at first. Oh, oh the God, that was when the days when they, <laughs> the hooded man. It was, uh, it was um, oh, crikey, what was it? It was one of those Radio 4 sketch comedy programs in the 1980s that had, is he called Clive Mantle, the very tall fellow who played Little John in Robin of Sherwood? He was part of this ensemble anyway, and at one point they did a Robin of Sherwood. Um, one can only say piss take. And I remember, the only line I remember from it is uh, them marvelling at the lushness of the scenery, saying, oh, look, the trees are green, the grass is so green, even the filters on the cameras are green. <laughs> it's a, that's Robin of Sherwood for me. So, yes, hooded figure, you say? Uh, and I thought, that, that figure has a, a feminine gait. There seemed to be a, an elegance, uh, I thought, to it that um, that suggested it was it was a lady. Uh, a lady. A okay. lady. A, a lady, right. And then a lady's hand unfurled. I thought <sighs> that looks like a. And I did. I did my Tom Baker from Blackadder to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wager that hand. Yeah. <laughs> you yes. have a woman hand. Uh, crikey. Good. Right. Well, this is promising, isn't it? This. Uh, yeah. So you were at work. Is that right? You missed... I was at work, but I ran home. Uh, I, I was at work with a, a Doctor Who colleague <clears throat> uh, who got off his shift, finished slightly earlier than mine. And as he was leaving, he said, oh, tennis is finished. Yeah. So I, I spent <laughs> my last hour in a slightly clenched, sort of ang- anxious state that somebody was going to come in and blurt it out. So, you know, yeah. I, I, sort of, I had my suspicions um, about who it might be. And I, I didn't really want to know. I wanted to sort of come back and see it as live. Uh, so I sort of swung in the door about um quarter past six and then had a tremendous fankle finding it because like i had recorded the tennis and there was <laughs> fucking four hours and 40 <laughs> minutes of it of which there was a pertinent 20 seconds i had to find <laughs> somewhere in the middle before b- before contacting you but i did find it i saw exactly the same thing you saw yeah so um so you had an idea that it was uh obviously anybody listening knows that what we're talking about is uh is geordie whittaker has been announced as the 13th doctor uh, you, you had an idea beforehand. I mean, the the, the well, the best thing everyone, is... yeah. I, I I've been oh, I had so so much personal cachet resting on it being Phoebe Waller Bridge, who who I mentioned yeah. like back in February, because uh, I, I was watching Fleabag. I think I think it might even have been before that. Because um, I remember talking to you about Fleabag when we recorded our Christmas episode. Okay. But Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who wrote and starred in Fleabag, is phenomenal. She's a really just a s- extraordinary character. And as soon as I thought she'd be a great Doctor Who, I just could not let the idea go. Mm. And I t- mercifully I tweeted it. And then some weeks after my tweet, bookies stopped taking money on Phoebe Waller-Bridge being the new Doctor Who. And I, I thought, oh crumbs! I hope I didn't start that. Yeah. <laughs> but then you know the. I was quite excited because she would have been great. And there was all this, you know, it was her or maybe it was going to be Chris Marshall, not out of Coldplay. Um, and Chris Marshall, <laughs> who, who I, I'm sure is a lovely man. I'm not terribly familiar with his oeuvre outside the BT adverts, but I never mm. particularly warmed to him in those. He's, he's good in fun land. Um, but I, 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 was, I was very 
I, 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 I hate to be negative because, you know, it's like people just bring their best on. Everyone does their best with what they've got. Uh, but I did think, oh, if it's Chris Marshall, it's for the 40 billionth time. It's just another white man in a role. And, you know, yeah. what Stephen Moffat has spent some years now establishing is that um, ethnicity and gender do not matter, right? You know, they, they could not have been clearer about building this message up in Doctor Who. Uh, so I thought, you know, if they'd fumbled it and just given it to a white fellow this time around, I think I might have been disappointed. But then suddenly people started talking about Jodie Whittaker, and I have to be honest, Mark, I had not really heard of her. No, me neither. I didn't watch Broadchurch. Um, and I have apparently seen her in Attack the Block, which I saw when it came out. <laughs> But I don't really remember I, it very well, so I need to revisit that. No, I, I also have seen her in Attack the Block. Apparently I've seen her in, in one of the two Centrinians films that she's in. And she was in something else terribly good. Uh, and I can't remember what it was. I wonder what it was. But I, I couldn't, you know, I saw her face and got, oh, Black Sea. Uh, Black Sea, which is a terrific, the very low-key, uh, kind of very old-fashioned um, kind of British thriller with oh crumbs Jude Law. Um, it's it's a whole uh, Black Sea. I won't I won't say anymore. It's directed by Kevin McDonald and it's got Jude film? Law. The submarine. Film, What's that? Is it, is it a submarine? submarine? Yeah, submarine is the is the go to word with this one. Um, it's terrific. If you have quite low expectations of a film, it's brilliant. I don't remember her in it at all. No. So I you know I'm I'm working from colossal ignorance here. Yeah, it seems like she's one of these people kind of um, on the cusp of, uh, you know, she's been in some, some high-profile series and obviously in a couple of movies, um, mm. which is, I suppose, like Matt Smith and David Tennant as well. I felt like they were probably on the cusp of, of getting some kind of big break. Um, yeah. She's, uh, she's like that, whereas Phoebe Waller-Bridge, she's in the new... Yeah, she's in the new Star Wars film or the, or the Han Solo spin-off. Is she, she's she's in the Han Solo, the young Han, in, yes, the yeah. young Indiana Solo yeah. film. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you're quite right. I think you know Phoebe Waller Bridge. Never say never. Maybe should be the new master. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, how do you feel? My my own personal feeling. I don't really think the world needs another 51 year old white man on the internet talking about. Uh, sexism and equality and stuff like that, but I am just delighted about this. I, I think this is, you know, I think um, I think she's going to be brilliant. You know, I have slight reservations about Chris Chibnall, and I, I never really um, whilst admiring his work for being spectacularly competent and always in focus. Um, I, I've never really sort of. It doesn't. It doesn't make my blood sing, you know, the, the prospect of Chris Chibnall. But he is. He, he knows what he's doing, and he's clearly got a very good rapport um, with Jodie Whittaker. So yeah, I'm mean, cautiously optimistic. But but what a brilliant thing! How exciting is it? Are, is this going to be a newsworthy thing, or has the has the path been laid sufficiently that people are just going to go, yeah, brilliant, about time? I think yeah. I mean, I'm I'm delighted as well. I think it's. Uh... Like you say, it's it's much more exciting um, going into series eleven, I think, than with, with the idea of her as a doctor than it is with uh, with Chris Chibnall as the as the showrunner. Um, mm. I mean, I'm pretty much excited about Doctor Who and new series anyway. Um, but this uh, particularly, I think, adds some uh, uh, adds a bit of excitement to it. 
it's just going to be a long wait, I guess, isn't it? To see, uh, it's it's going to be that kind of thing, like with Peter Capaldi, the the slow kind of reveals of we'll get his costume in a few months, and then we'll details will will start to come out and uh, and whatnot. Yeah, well, and we still have the I, I guess as yet unnamed Christmas episode yeah. to come. And uh, you know, I, I hope this doesn't sort of undermine that because that to, to me just looks like a spectacular piece of uh, gratification waiting to happen. Um, I, I love this idea, and I, and I assume this is where they're going with it. That uh, Peter Capaldi, in his "I don't, I don't want to regenerate. This is my first regeneration in my new regeneration cycle," uh, is meeting his earlier self, who's about to regenerate for the first time. How is that not interesting and exciting? That's it. Straight away, just the setup is brilliant for that. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. Do you, Do you know how soon after that we get the Chris Chibnall Doctor Who? I don't. I mean, there's rumours that uh, it's going to be sort of late on next year, isn't it? That we're going to get a, an autumn start. Oh, cool. cool. But I have heard rumours that um, it's going to be spring again, like this, um, like this year that they start filming in um, October or something, or kind of later on this year. So it's mm. all been sort of fairly under wraps and, and, and probably overshadowed by series ten to some extent up to now. Whereas now the whole focus is going to shift, really, isn't it? To uh, any nuggets that come out um, come out of Wales about the uh, the new Doctor, the new series? Mm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. no, I'm I, I just I, I'm absolutely delighted by this. Uh, this is encouraging. I think you know. It, I try not to, um, to to stare too much at the horizon because the the world just seems to me. I possibly this is just my galloping old age, but the world just seems to be like an utterly terrifying place at the moment. So, you know, mm. things that um, I, I used to rely on, uh, you know, as sort of fairly stable parts of society just aren't there anymore. Um, so, you know, I'm just thinking in very broad terms about the standards of political leadership and news media and stuff that we get, where things, you know, sort of verifiability and truth and facts and boring things like that don't really matter anymore. Um, so, you know, I, I find this stuff terrifying. Like, I can get quite negative about the state of the world. And then something like this happens, and you go, ah, oh, this is all right. You know, this is, this is quite exciting. I've, I've had, um, have you seen Wonder Woman? I haven't yet. Um, oh, really it's brilliant. Say, yeah. Somewhat controversially, they, they cast a lady as Wonder Woman. And apparently, <laughs> you know, it's going to be, you get female Wonder Womans as well these days, Mark. Um, Where will it I, I, went, Where will it I went to see that with my partner, who is he's not, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, a, a superhero fan. And we came out of it, and we were both just absolutely pumped in a way that I, you know, I haven't been since, um, or probably, the, you know, the, the first new Star Wars film where you just come out and go, they got that. That, right um and just reeling from this wonder woman thing you go for years I, I got this a little bit with ghostbusters last year as well which i absolutely adored i just thought it was really funny enjoyable film and you know I, it, it's lovely to come out of, of something where you go you know for years we have been told um that you can't have a film that you know has a woman as a main central character and is you know it's kind of populated by strong female characters because no one will go and see it and then they make one and like the entire world goes to see it on yeah. the first weekend it comes out you go yeah you can you can do that now you know all, all this stuff that that we have been told um it's not true you know and it, it it's nice to have uh sort of barriers like that breaking down i think you know this this Oh, Christ, I'm mansplaining like mad here, and I, you know, and I wish I wasn't. But the fact remains, you know, we we two fellas are, you know, just kind of white blokes, and that, I mean, I'm stuck with that. But um, 
and I'm just I'm just massively encouraged by the way it appears to me boundaries are starting to break down, um, and we're we're starting not to to, to believe all that old crap. And there's still, I guess, an enormously long way to go. Uh, but yes, I, I love it when stuff like this happens. And this this is the sort of thing that I'm talking about with um, sorry, the old why I like Doctor Who rather than Star Trek. You know, I, I, I this. I was going to say this sort of thing doesn't happen in Star Trek. Clearly it does. They've had female captains and things there, but I'm, I'm thinking more in terms of the change, you know, that I, I am, I feel that there probably is part of Doctor Who fandom that will be slightly resistant to this idea. You know, the idea that the Doctor can be a woman. Um, and that's, that's the part of fandom that I never really quite engage with because, it, you know, it, it seems to me to be a futile thing in the mind of a Doctor Who fan to sort of crave a steady state, you know. You've, you've really got to be ready for change and be ready to kind of surf that, that wave of chaos and anarchy that comes with the programme because that's what it's about. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, it is disappointing kind of seeing a few people on Twitter and that that already preemptively are saying they're not going to watch. Um, oh what with the 13th doctor yeah it's, i mean it's very much a minority i'd say but yeah uh, yeah, yeah it just seems uh, yeah to the idea not to give it a chance it does seem you for a show that relies on change to 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 survive and, and owes its longevity to that you know complete you know in front of the cameras and behind the cameras changing and renewing it's uh i mean it's, apart from anything else apart from it being a great thing for for like representation and whatnot it's just a huge shot in the arm for people will now tune in out of interest um, <clears> because it's going to be a very different start, you know, was, and presumably Broadchurch, a huge hit, you know, kind of bring over a lot of the viewers who uh, enjoyed the writing and enjoyed the performance of, of Jodie Whittaker as well. Yeah, um, well, I, I think so. It, it, it's starting to sound like an ideal jumping on point. And if, if a few people are regarding it as an ideal jumping off point, then, you know, so, so long, farewell, thank you, and I wish you well. Um, and, you know, the rest of us will just get on enjoying it, I, with enjoying it, I guess. There is, um, I mean, I, I suppose there's, there's things to look out for, isn't there? I, I think my worry is, I mean, we've, you know, we're talking brilliant female Doctor Who, fantastic, is still a male showrunner. You know Chris Chibnall, and I know, I know Stephen Moffat. He, he, a man who does seem to listen to his critics. You know, it was a few years ago. People said, "Oh, you haven't really had any female writers on," and from that point on, he seems to have made an effort um, to include to to the point at which you know I think I think the best episodes are being written by the women writers, and you know Rachel Talalay is now the director that you go to when you want the safe pair of hands for the monumental end of series stuff, yeah. um, but. You know, we're not uh, by no means any of the way there yet. You know, it's not, this is not the time to sit back and go, oh, well done, white blokes. We're not sexist anymore. You know, it's like we're kind of, I, I think there's probably um, an opportunity to listen to 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 quite you know to, to contributions now. I think that that sort of inclusivity door has not exactly been kicked open, but it's definitely open an inch or two now. And it's kind of the job is just to, 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 to open it wider, I guess, and see where we go with it. But yeah, this is, um, it's encouraging. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And I think having a female lead, it feels like that will lead to more female writers. Um, that, that That's going to be something that she will, you know, kind of be keen on and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to help as well. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, just well, that, I mean, how, how you know, I, I never entirely loved it myself, but this is you know, what about Buffy the Vampire Slayer? You know, this mm -hmm. that was um, 
<laughs> that was a woman in a program. So yeah. there we go. It's happened before. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. No, I, I, what I am, I, I think one, one of the things that makes me most excited about this is it, it, it sort of straight away kicks out um, a, a worrying paradigm that I, I was worried was was going to kind of reestablish itself. Because I had heard, you know, that the idea of getting Chris Chibnall on after Stephen Moffat, and Stephen Moffat sort of has a bit of a reputation for being. Um, you know, slightly maverick kind of plotter. You know, he, he doesn't he, he doesn't make it easy for you. You know, this isn't his stuff. Does not tend to be things you can watch whilst you're playing games on your phone. You know, you you, you need to have your wits about you, and you need to watch some yeah. of it more than once. Um, and I think Christian Null. I, I watched a bit of Broadchurch. It wasn't for me, so I, I kind of left it alone. Is much more linear than Stephen Moffat so you know you you get setups that are resolved as far as I can see in Chris Chibnall that's his structure um but it was mentioned I can't even remember where I got this idea from that what was wanted by the BBC was for it to be taken back from being a program about an elderly eccentric Peter Capaldi person to being a bit more romantic in the vein of David Tenants, Doctor, and Rose, and that seems to be, you know, that seems to be what people see as paradigmatic Doctor Who. Now, I, you know, it's it was brilliant. It's a fan, that's a fantastic period of Doctor Who, and it was it was beautiful in its way. But it was very much an outlier in terms of what Doctor Who is. Doctor Who's never really been romantic or dishy. It's always been authoritative and assertive and acerbic and witty and funny and stuff. And that romance stuff was um, that was a bit of a one-off. And I, I was kind of a, a little bit wary of the idea that we might be going back to that. And I'm, I'm glad now that it appears that we're not. Mm. It's going to be very interesting to see how they handle um, the the idea of uh, companions. Mm. For Jodie Whittaker, what do you reckon? Robot dogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see which way they go. If it's uh, if it's a if it's a male companion, whether they go for somebody quite a bit younger, something like that, um, it'd be uh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That'd be the next big announcement, I guess, won't it? There'll be there'll be more kind of casting news mm. coming along. Maybe it'd be Chris Marshall. Who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel, oh, uh, is I, it, why not? Why like, not? And Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. I'm quite <laughs> pleased. Doctors. I think I'm quite pleased with Chris Marshall that he, he doesn't seem to be on Twitter. Uh, uh-huh. Because I mean, you'd have to have a lot of confidence, I suppose, as an actor and, and not really listen to critics. But had he been on Twitter during this period, he'd have, <laughs> he'd have taken quite a lot of knocks, wouldn't he? I think it's. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I I always assume, you know, when you're, I, mean, I can feel myself doing it now, you know, talking about um, Stephen Moffat and Chris Chibnall and so on. I can imagine what if they heard, right? What if they heard you talking about them? Um, and you, you you don't want that. You don't want to be nasty and mean about stuff. And I'm slightly worried that I've come across as, as complaining a bit about um, Chris Marshall because yeah, I would say anyone who doubts his abilities, go and go and have a look at Funland. Have you, have you seen Funland? I haven't. Mark? What is that? It's well worth digging out. It's um, it is uh, it's it's a not quite League of Gentlemen thing. It's um, Jeremy Dyson wrote right. it, I think. I think Mark Gatiss is in it very very briefly, and it has got your scary man who always reminds me a bit of Danny Dyer, but he's not Danny Dyer, and he was in Line of Duty, and he's in the Mark Gatiss episode that's a bit like uh, Sapphire and Steel with the Doll's House and Peg Men, and he's called. Oh crumbs! You'd know him yeah. if you saw him. Yeah, he's in Intensely. Rogue One as well, wasn't he? 
Um, sorry, in what I missed you to... He's in Rogue One as well, isn't he, briefly? Yes, uh, he is. Yeah, yeah. So you know the fella. Yeah. He's he's in it, and Chris Marshall is in it. It's a, I, I would say about Fodland, it is quite an uncomfortable watch, but it's um, it's, it's well worth it. And, it, you know, it just proves Chris Marshall can handle this sort of slightly spiky stuff, but um, I never quite saw him as Doctor Material. Yeah, he's one of those people that um, it seems like the general public would think of as a, as a Doctor-ish figure because he's a bit eccentric and... Uh, kind of wacky and things. Mm. Um, he's, he's more yeah, like, kind of the stereotype of Doctor Who rather than what it's actually like. It's like when all the rumors come out, uh, and a lot of people who aren't even actors get linked to it, don't they? You know, uh, mm. talking about oh those, lord, yeah, um, Sue Perkins and things like that. And you think, well, yes, my my friend Lawrence has been saying Susan Kalman for the last couple of months. Yeah, I've been trying to make him stop. <laughs> yeah. So um, they never cast a non-actor as Doctor Who said, what about Sylvester McCoy? It's like, right, once, one time they did that. Now, I, I'm, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I feel like I want to quiz you a little about regenerations because I was thinking about this. Because um, <laughs> sometimes before I properly wake up, I'm a little more sarcastic than I like to be. Uh, I, I tweeted a, a thing this morning because I, I was quite cross that they were doing the announcement in the middle of the tennis it just yeah. it just seems ludicrous it, I, I feel slightly um just just not quite understood as a doctor who fan you know when they do these <laughs> announcements in the middle of the sport so i was annoyed about the tennis but i, I sort of tweeted rather sarcastically you know for for anyone that um doubts the relationship between Doctor Who and Wimbledon. Don't forget that Peter Davison wore tennis whites right the way through his tenure as the Doctor, you know, <laughs> next to a picture of Peter Davison clearly holding a cricket bat. Um, <laughs> and I got a tweet almost straight away saying um, actually that's not tennis that's Edwardian cricket. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody basically sort of uh, cricket explained to me, why on earth did I start on this, well, I, this anecdote? What were we talking about? I tweeted this morning because I, I was looking at the odds because uh, I know with Peter Capaldi it was it was a good indication on the day wasn't it that uh, that it might be him because the the, the odds um, shortened is that what they do yeah uh, yeah and I said so well I've looked at the odds I don't really know how to read odds and a couple of people very <laughs> kindly <laughs> very kindly explained that you know if it's two to one and you uh, bet a pound then you get two pound back and I understand two to one and five to one and ten yeah. to one. But yes. I don't understand it is when the denominator is higher than the numerator. No. Yes. Is that the right way around? Neither do I. Yeah, I don't understand. Does that mean it costs you money to place a bet? I, I don't, I don't I mean, think it can. Do you get your pound back and then you get 12 and a half pence on top of it or something? I don't, I don't, I don't really know, Mark. Yeah. I've, I, I've never been in a bookies and well, I, I feel like I, I, so I'm leaving it a bit late. <laughs> so I replied and I said, yeah, I understand the uh, the two to one, the five to one. I don't understand it when it's the other way around. And I got no replies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've remembered why I embarked on my pointless anecdote about the lovely person who corrected me on cricket. Because I, I thought, oh, bless, you know, they don't understand that I was joking so i yeah. said oh thanks very much but you know ha, it was just a joke ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Uh, and they, they tweeted back said oh sorry ah and i was like no 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 don't be sorry it's i i should be sorry i was being sarcastic on twitter so we you know and she was obviously um a little bit just worried worried about the regeneration and i suddenly mm -hmm. thought oh this it is a big deal you know and i remember because you know regenerations although they seem to happen every couple of weeks they're yeah. very very rare and my first one um going way back was john pertwee 
into Tom Baker, which was a, I remember being a trauma, you know, I would have been about seven or eight when that happened, but I'd been sort of pre-traumatized because the year before Katie Manning had left and that had really ruined me, right? You know, watching the Green Death as a seven-year-old and having had Joe Grant as my companion right the way through my life, it felt like. And then she went off and Doctor Who had a bit of a cry. That was my big thing. And then the uh, John Pertwee into Tom Baker was, you know, sort of a trauma. But then nothing happened for like half of my life again. You know, I've got seven uninterrupted years of Tom Baker. And then by the time Logopolis happened, which I love, by the way, I'm a season 18 apologist. I absolutely adore every single second of that series. Um, and then at the end of Logopolis, you know, it, it was still, I was 16 by this stage, it's still quite a big deal. Um, and since, since then, they've not, they've been a bit fudged. You know, Caves of Androzani was great, but then uh, Colin Baker didn't really get a regeneration. No. Um, Sylves was in the middle of the, uh, the movie. So, you know, it's like they're, they're not as common as you think they are. So what, what's what's your emotional arc with regenerations? Well, I um, only started watching with Sylvester McCoy. Uh, so I'd been a fan quite a long time before... I'd see, I saw my first one as in a new a new Doctor. I mean, by the time the TV movie came out, I'd watched most of the old series and, and the series generations. But by then, it was um, it was with the knowledge that I was watching a regeneration story and who they were turning into and how long they lasted and uh, and everything else. Um, so yeah, it's mainly sort of new series stuff. Um, um, I guess because uh, I've seen a few people on Twitter, sort of you know Clayton Hickman and people like that, saying about how they found out each Doctor. Um, but I guess, yeah, Paul McGann would have been announced probably in the Doctor Who magazine. I wasn't on the internet mm-hmm. at that stage. And then, um, yeah, it's probably kind of been newspapers or internet each time yeah. since then. Uh, so did you know when you watched um, the, uh, say, Planet of the Spiders, that you were heading for a regeneration and who was going to take over? Or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say it had been on the news, but I didn't watch the news at that age. But I, I'm pretty certain mum and dad, who were, who were very supportive of me, you know, as a, as a Doctor <laughs> Who fan, um, had kind of, you know, sort of mentioned the idea. I think it must have been couched. It certainly wasn't out of the blue at all. But I, I remember it as being exciting more than, more than anything else. And Tom Baker does such a brilliant job. You know, it's like... It, just hits the ground absolutely running in robot i think yeah um but you know it just wasn't an issue um and i i think it generally hasn't been um you know so i think things like the 11th hour you know i, I just adore matt smith i think it's such a such a great doctor who um mm-hmm. and he sets it all out in the 11th hour you know it's absolutely everything is there it's, it's such a beautiful thing slightly less so with the first capaldi thing was it um it's deep breath is it the one with yeah. the dinosaur he's, he's sort of he does um he does a Christmas invasion, doesn't he? In that he's, he's sort of not in it, and or he's in it in his pajamas, you know, so not not quite himself for a while. Yeah. It's, that, it's the similar to the John Pertwee one as well, isn't it? That kind of slight regeneration trauma going on. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, they, these 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 things are they're not common. They are important, and uh, you know, I can I can see why people would worry about it. Um, yeah, I wonder where it'll go. Yeah, be. Um... It'd be interesting to see how the how the regenerations handle this time. Do you feel um, Geordie's been a little bit shortchanged? I, I was thinking about like um, Matt Smith had his uh, it was a, a special episode of Doctor Who Confidential, wasn't it? Uh, and then Peter Capaldi had his big live episode, 
that was brought oh, on yeah. Saturday night. That was, I mean, I guess he was a much bigger name going into it. Um, but this, uh, it feels feels a lot smaller, doesn't it? This uh, this sort of thirty second clip. Yeah, um, yeah. I, none of it will be accidental. This, this will all have been thought through by many people for quite a long time as to how they're doing it. Um, and I, I think it is probably pretty sensible just to low key it for a little while and then build it up. I mean, what what I got from uh, the 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 clip with the the hoodie. The little back riding hood thing, the the twenty second clip or whatever it was, I didn't really get any sense of what Jodie Whittaker is going to bring to this. The, 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 she, she's just there, you know. Yeah. You, you see her hand, you see her face. That's it. There's no sort of characteristics at all. And I was saying, wow, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? But there is, um, the, you know, I'm just looking through the uh, the CD that she's got, and there is quite a lot of funny. In it. There's quite a lot of drama and there's quite a lot of funny. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I am pretty excited about this. I think she's, she's gonna bring quite a lot. That's gonna be quite exciting. And that's perfect, isn't it? You'd be able to switch between being quite eccentric to dramatically announcing it's the end of the world. Uh, kind of just turned on a dime like that. I think that's, that's what the yeah. best doctors can do, uh, can do very well. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, um, it was noticeable. I, I, love peter davison very much um i know he's a lot of people's favorite doctors you know just because of you know he, he was doctor when they were growing up but i i remember noticing and just wondering if it you know it was because i was in my late teens at the time but he did seem to be the first doctor who there was a just a little bit sort of fey and indecisive you know up to them they had been you know even patrick chan had, had been sort of swaggering sort of in charge sort of charismatic you so you know walk into the room and they're just the center of attention which wasn't really the case with peter davison um which is great you know because this is that change thing that we're talking yeah, yeah. about you know people it's a different approach it's a different program then um but i, I wondered i just had, I had absolutely no idea about you know kind of what level of charisma jody whittick is going to bring to this but like I say, just I'm, you know, I think I'm seeing some films on the list here that I, I need, I need to look at Attack the Block again. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you saying about Peter Davison. He suffered a little bit, didn't he? By all accounts, from John Nathan Turner's aversion to humour as well. Um, <laughs> that he felt had gone too far under the previous regime. Yes, uh, I've, I've heard of jokes, but I don't really understand them. So let's <laughs> let's, let's not do it. Um, poor old John Nathan Turner. I read the uh, the Richard Marston book, um, J and T's Scandalous Life. Have you read that? I, I've got it. I haven't read it yet. Uh, it is, it is astonishing. It's mm. so difficult to come out of that book with anything other than just massive love for John Nathan Turner. Just like um, such a you know flawed as we all are human being, but just a real trier you know yeah. just just got a lot of stuff done just by force of will um so re really quite an impressive book that definitely worth reading right yeah it's it, it's on my list uh, every time i talk to you i end up with a bit of a list of uh, stuff to watch and read or listen to your podcast even i'm always kind of jotting stuff down so uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah i, I, I am twice as old as you mark <laughs> You can say, but do save yourself a lot of time by not not reading any more poetry. I've looked yeah. into it. You don't you don't need to do that. Yeah, that's uh, that's not my favourite. Yeah. I um just just on, on back, uh, back on um Jodie Whittaker and uh, and what she might bring to it. Um, my mum's take on it. Uh, I was it was my mum's birthday yesterday, so, so I went through to see. And I was 
telling her that um, that Geordie was one of the favourites. And she did watch Broadchurch. I said, oh, what did you think of it? And she said, no. Uh, she's, uh, she said, no, I didn't think she was very good. I don't think she'd be any good as Doctor Who. But this is my mum who didn't think Christopher Eccleston would be Doctor Who, thought that David Tennant had a funny mouth and couldn't be Doctor Who, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thought that Matt Smith was too much like Benedict Cumberbatch. And I said, oh, do, I you, see. do you not like Benedict Cumberbatch? Oh, yeah, I do. So, <laughs> so what's the problem? <laughs> and Peter Capaldi wouldn't be any good because he had mad staring eyes. Yeah, said, but that's yeah. what Doctor Who should have mad staring eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, your mum. So, uh, she does. She does sound a bit demented. I feel that. Uh, yeah. I feel I mean, that. you have just reminded me actually now that this my concern. Jodie Whittaker is going to join. Is a very select rank of Doctor Who actors. So it's basically her, Peter Davison, and Christopher Eccleston, whose name I will only ever spell correctly by accident. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, and and. Yeah, my mum's disapproval is generally uh, generally turns out to be uh, uh, someone that she will enjoy after she watched one episode of them uh, and completely <laughs> reverse herself on. Uh, so uh, I feel it's a, it's a good omen that she uh, that she feels like that. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. The curse of Mark's mum, and uh, and she's from Yorkshire as well, which is your uh... <gasps> Skelmersdale. Yeah, the, the old, half the ancestral um, half the ancestral voices in my head screamed out in delight at that. Yeah. <laughs> Lots yeah. of planets have a Yorkshire mark. Yeah. Uh, my dad and his side are from Yorkshire as well, so that's uh, oh, nice one, nice one. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see what accent she plays it with, whether she whether she does an Eccleston and a Capaldi or a Tennant mm. on it. So we'll see, yeah. well, just just brings an authentic Broadchurch accent to it. Yeah, well, I don't, where is Broadchurch? I don't know. It's, um... Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> no idea at all. It's on the coast, Mark's near a beach. <laughs> Because Tennant's Scottish in it, I think, isn't he? From the from the clips I've seen. Oh, I, d- so I don't sure. know. I don't know. I, <laughs> don't, sure I don't think he was. Or, I think or... was he not doing his his slightly Cockney thing that he does? But maybe not. I don't know. I, I can't remember. I I've seen clips there was a, it. it was too difficult to tell. There was too much grimacing. Yeah. <laughs> too, 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 too much ominous music going on. <laughs> uh, if they repeat it, I'll probably uh, I'll probably tune into it and uh, yeah. uh, and see it. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's exciting news today for the future. Yes, was that enough of a uh, enough of a hot take for you? I don't really feel like I had anything to contribute there apart from "Hey, Doctor Who's great, and I like it." Yeah, I think we've talked for quite a long time on on a twenty second clip with no dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, that's entirely what we were talking about because I yeah focused. It was very <laughs> tightly focused this discussion. Well done, Mark. You're um, and, and the wrong you're, you're a splendid podcast. Uh... <laughs> I've really been enjoying your podcast, by the way, Trap One. I, I love this idea about the um, what I keep calling your rotating co-hosts, but it does make it sound <laughs> a bit more like the voice than I imagine it is. Uh, but yeah, no, it's absolutely just it's it's a highlight of my podcasting week. I like the positivity. Ah, so you should keep it up, my friend. Thank you. That's uh, that's very kind of you to say. Uh, so, and let, I don't think I've got anything else uh, in my notes. Oh, the wrong TARDIS. Uh, apparently, um, I point out on Twitter that the, the TARDIS seems to have lost its um, St. John's Ambulance badge. Oh. Uh, people pointed out that it's... Um, it's a photoshopped TARDIS. Uh, that if you if you search TARDIS under images on Google, it's like the third one you come across, um, which I suppose is, is naive in my sense. I just assumed that the prop was there in the in the woods. 
<laughs> I would have thought that too. Special effects is, is very is often the last <laughs> explanation that I come up with when I wonder how they did things. I suppose that's another way that they kept it under wraps. If anybody had, had happened across them uh, filming Geordie Whittaker walking <laughs> through the woods, uh, they wouldn't have oh suspected goodness, anything. Yeah. Isn't this broadly what happened with um, David oh, Crumbs? What's he called? The guy that's playing the first Doctor, David Bradley. Yeah. David Bradley. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I feel like he's a Coronation Street character. <laughs> Is it, isn't that what happened with David Bradley? That you know, somebody saw him in Cardiff when he wasn't doing anything in Cardiff. I thought, hmm, that's strange. I'd better tweet to that, uh, and then right. it sort of grew arms and legs because yeah. you just can't keep things secret now, can you? No, it's, it's, it seems to be the the case now, doesn't it? It's difficult. But, uh, yeah, I wondered if because um, I know they did this with, with this sort of John Sim as well, didn't they? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. How much better out. would that have been had we not known? Yeah, and the idea that they had to get out ahead of it. Um, my yes. idea was that maybe they could just instead of uh, you know if if there are people that are working there that um, already having an awesome job working on BBC isn't enough for them. They have to kind of leave mm. stuff to the press. Maybe they, they should have a department that just bombards the press with fake announcements so they don't oh, know what's real. You are such a 21st century operator, Mark. That's the way they do things now. Did you ever get around to okay. watching Hypernormalization? I've downloaded the, it. Uh, Adam Kirk thing. There's a, that's right, sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I do burden you with things. You don't have to watch this stuff. But it, it's really interesting. You know, he talks at one point in it about um, how... I think it's, it's sort of modern... Uh, uh, sort of Kremlin tactics. I forget the name of the fellow that does it, but you know he's adopted sort of um, theatre of the absurd. You know, kind of techniques. Uh, you know, j- just advises Putin to do ridiculous things. And Putin say, "Why is it? I haven't really got a reason. Just do it. Nobody will know why you're doing it." And this is like, and it, it, it is. It's like sort of constant destabilization. You know, where you, people people just become anxious and concerned and worried because they, you know they, they don't know what's going on. Well, I mean, so yeah, that, that that would that would be a very modern way of doing it. It's, it's sort of almost Trump esque, isn't it? It's just yeah. like have so much insane stuff hitting people that they, they can't actually process it all. You know, so you're bound to get away with some of it. Yeah, I don't want to be responsible for making people anxious, but um, if if it would keep a few of the spoilers under wraps, um, I'd be quite happy if Chris Chibnall wanted to be, employ me to do that. If, uh, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. yeah, Minister for Disinformation. I, could, <laughs> no, I think so. I could work from home. <laughs> yeah, re- remember your friends on the way up, Mark. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but no, I have downloaded hypernormalization. I've said to Mel a couple of times when we've been looking for something to watch, I've said, this is supposed to be great. And then um, I've clicked on it and she goes, it's three hours long. We'll watch it another time. <laughs> chapters. It's chapters. The chapters are very manageable. That's what I can go back to it with next time. I say, yeah. let's watch a chapter. Yeah. Half an hour. Half an hour tops. And then as soon as the chapter thing comes up, just stop it. Yeah. But you right. won't want to by then. So that's hypernormalization. And it's uh, Adam... Adam Curtis. Adam Curtis. And another recommendation yeah. for the listeners. Yeah. Hi. Great. But it's not Doctor Who. You see, this is where it all falls down, Mark. It's not Doctor Who. Why is it on a Doctor Who podcast? <laughs> well, I think uh, I think our listeners of a broad church. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we'll just the master at work. Brilliant. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for your time this evening. really appreciate you joining me. It's a colossal pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, hope you have you back on again soon. We'll find something to discuss. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not doing anything. Some of the Highlanders are on hiatus for a little bit. 
Are you planning on going back and revisiting any of the old series? I know you were doing that occasionally. Oh, this is a uh, bit where I do the who knows and tap tap my conk. Um, Never say never, Mark. Never say never. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll we'll, we'll hear something from the Highlanders soon. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Tune in next week um, for another Trotman podcast. I don't know who's on yet, um, but there will be one. Uh, In the meantime, you can find John on Twitter as at Feeksby23. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Uh, I should have uh, should have looked it up beforehand. <laughs> you're absolutely fine. I am uh, at Trap One underscore uh, also on Twitter. You can find either of our podcasts on iTunes and uh, leave nice reviews. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, or, or, don't or, or don't don't. Okay. I don't like bullying and hectoring people. You know, it's there. <laughs> people make their choices, Mark. You can't criticize them. That's true. That's true. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you.